It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. And good morning, everybody. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest. I am your host today with the most. It is Griggs Blankberg alongside me today. Special guest, first time on the Weagle Airwaves. It is Mr. Connor Greenberg. Daniel, unfortunately, cannot be with us today. He's got a big test to study for, so good luck to Daniel. But Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Got some uh, big shoes to fill in for Mr. Locke today, but uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it as well. Good luck to Daniel again on that. But let's just jump right into the action. Let's start off by talking about Auburn men's basketball. So the past couple days, it's just been more stories about the transfer portal as well as in the NBA draft, mainly the story of Janai Broom saying that he is going to test the NBA draft waters while retaining his eligibility. Now, don't get too scared, people, because that is exactly what Alan Flanagan, as well as Dylan Cardwell, did last year. They both ended up coming back to Auburn. So the story behind them is they're most likely going to come back. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised to see Janai leave. Jay will think there's a little bit better chance that he's gone, but I think they'll both be back. But uh, Bruce is going to have to uh, recruit some, maybe some kids around campus for practices these days. There's uh, there's about four or five people, I think, left on the roster. Yeah, right now, I think the starting lineup would go at the, at the one. It would be either Aiden Holloway or Denver Jones. I think Aiden's the one. Aiden's I think Denver's probably the two. Denver's the two. Are you still thinking KD comes off the bench as – yeah, I think, six man. I think right now the guard, the guard, probably the depth chart is the one thing that's settled. I think you got Aiden at the one, and then Trey as the backup with Denver as the starting two, and KD as the backup two. And then once you start to look at the three, four, five, it gets a little messy. Yeah, as of right now, we're just talking about the NBA draft stuff as well. So the three would right now be, I mean, is it is it Leo Berman? I mean, he said he's not said he's coming back yet. Same thing with Allen though, which is why I'm not saying Allen Flanagan yet, because I don't. I imagine he's going to go to Ole Miss once yeah, his dad, because that's I, not been announced yet either. Yeah, I think I think right now, you know, you got to feel pretty confident that Devin Cambridge is coming back. Um, whether whether that's a good thing or a bad thing remains to be seen. Uh, but I'd, I'd be pretty surprised to see Flanagan on the roster next year. Yeah, so that just leaves that three spot open. Like, I don't know what's going to happen really. It's <laughs> it's an interesting time. I mean, we got I mean we got we landed Janai last year. I'm not worried about that. It's just the fact of. We need to get people here sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I think Matthew Cleveland from Florida State, I know we've been in on him, and if we can get him on campus for a visit and, and then get that commitment, I think that's that's one that could be huge. I know he's a AAU teammate of Jabari Smith, so he, he knows what it's like for a good player to come here, and, and we would we would fall in love with him here. But uh, that would be that's, – that's probably my number one portal target. Of like, if we could get him in, that's, that's a game changer. Yeah, and then right now starting at the four, and the I mean Jalen Williams also this morning forgot to say that Jalen Williams also this morning will be doing the same thing as Jani Broom, where he'll be testing the NBA draft waters while retaining his eligibility. I also saw something from um, John Rostein when he did the Rostein forty five. He still has Window Green on the roster since technically, apparently, Wendell has retained his college uh, eligibility. However, it does not sound like he is going to want to play college basketball next year. Yeah, the way. The way he left with his statement and all that made it certainly seem like he's not going to be back, especially since Bruce tweeted, like, you know, thank you for everything. You were a great Auburn player and all that. So, I I mean, I think – I did think he left the, the option open, but I'd, I would – I'd be fairly surprised if he ended up on the roster next year. I think 
he's probably good as gone. Yeah, looking right now, currently at the Rothstein 45, forgot where Auburn landed. I know it was around the 40th range, I think, or maybe we're not even on it anymore. I don't know. I thought I, we were about like in like the late 20s. I think I remember seeing that as well, but things could have happened since then. Yeah, there's been a lot of movement in the portal. I don't see us in the top 20, so I'm going to assume that we're not. Oh, we're in 17th right now, apparently. But wow. John Rostein knows. We're sleeping May. The 2022-2023 po- – oh, I think this is from last year's. Oh, yeah, because I had North Carolina at one. Okay, yeah, never mind. Uh, oh, Wait. here's the new one. Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, there's no way we're number 17th. And I'm like, yo, Andreo's the starting five? That can't be right. Um, but, yeah, I imagine Connor will be right. Yeah, he is. We're Auburn's at the 30th spot. Coincidentally, number 29. The Virginia Cavaliers? The Virginia Cavaliers. Wow. National yeah. champion Virginia Cavaliers, by yes. the way. Yes. 2019 National Champions, and they got he, John um, John Rostin currently has their starting five, the starting five for Auburn as Aiden Holloway at the one, Wendell Green at the two, Denver Jones at the three, Jalen Williams at the four, Janai Broom at the five. Now I think this has not been updated since I know it's been updated since Wendell left, but not since Jalen Janai transfer. I said they were going to enter the portal this morning. Uh, Katie Johnson, Trey Donaldson, Dylan Cardwell, Leo Berman, uh, Babatunde Akingbola, Alan Flanagan, Chris Moore on the bench. Um, seniors with additional eligibility left we've not heard from yet are Leor Berman, uh, Stretch, Alan Flanagan, and Jalen Williams. And entered NBA draft while retaining college eligibility. He has Window Green, Jani Berman, of course, this morning, Jalen Williams. Yeah, Stretch, I believe, has confirmed that he's gone. Um, I think I saw that too, yeah. Um, but, I I mean, if, if the door was open for Wendell to return, I would love him to be the starting point guard, or the shooting guard. Because he, his skill set, is a two guard. He just not, it doesn't have that size. But when we were really good with Jabari and Walker, Wendell played a lot of the two off the ball, and Zip had had more of the ball bringing it up. So you, have to, you also have to remember he was the six man mainly. Yeah, but if if he would be willing to accept kind of the more off ball role where he's coming around screens, more kind of pull up jump shots stuff like that, I'm I would be more than happy. But he clearly you know was not the most effective point guard for what Bruce wants to run and. You've got a five-star all, McDonald's All-American coming in. It's his job. Yeah, and they have Denver Jones listed as the three. He's 6'4", 195 pounds. Yeah, he's a two-guard. He's a two-guard. So, and he's a shooter. I mean, he's I think he's a 37% three-point shooter. So we need him at the two, you know, coming around those Jedi and Jalen picks, hopefully. I mean, I think I agree with what you're talking about, just like with Wendell. Like, I don't see the door open for him to come back now. He's already gotten the thank you post and all that So. The consensus is everyone thinks he's going to leave, and I probably think he will. But yeah, of of the guys that have said they're going to go to the draft, I would I would say Wendell is certainly the least likely to come back, um, and probably Janai is the most. I think it's going to be the last year because I remember reading something where it's like the NBA uh, draft process. You're not going to be able to exit once you enter the NBA draft process. Yeah, I mean, I know for a lot of guys, it's not just players here. They go and they test the waters with no intention of going just to get feedback because it lets them go to the NBA Combine. They can meet with teams and, and they can give them th- some pointers and things to work on. Um, and, it's a, I mean, that's a great part of the process. I have, I have no problem with, with guys testing it. But for being realistic, I don't think any of those three Auburn players are going in the draft. Yeah. Um, it says beginning in 2024, all invited players will be required to attend and participate in the NBA draft combine or be ineligible to be drafted until the first subsequent draft for which the player attends and fully participates. So, oh, interesting. I think that means once you're invited, you either go to the draft process and you go through to get drafted or you're not. 
that's the end of your NBA draft process. You got to go back. I think that's what it's meaning by that. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll still be allowed to like go meet with some teams and stuff. Um, I'd be, I'd be surprised if they took that away, just because a lot of players have used that. I know, like Flanagan did last year. He he tested it. They told him he was probably going to be a second round pick, so he came back. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. It's just, it's going to be interesting because this is a team that's losing a lot of depth. I'd say after you lost a lot of star power the year before, and now you just got to kind of rebuild and kind of grind it out really because next year the SEC is not going to be as to I think it's going to be more of what we've seen SEC in the past where it's mainly been Kentucky I think that's mainly yeah. what's going to be next year looking at who they're bringing in and I think Tashiwe can come back I'm pretty sure he's got one more year if he decides to exit because I can't imagine him being a yeah. early second round pick at best yeah I mean Kentucky I, you know looking looking ahead now is is clearly the cream of the crop but We've seen them before have a bunch of five-star talent and lose to Evansville at home and uh, strug- I remember that. That was awesome. struggle uh, even with all that talent. I mean, even Arkansas, I know they had injuries. They have a bu- they had a bunch of that five-star talent this year and, and struggled, especially at the start of the SEC. So, I mean, it's it's there for the taking. I think it's this offseason feels very similar to the going into the year with Jabari and Walker where – there wasn't a ton on the roster, and he went out. He got Jabari. He landed Kessler and Zepp as transfers and KD, where it was more of a, a bigger, bigger scale roster rebuild. Um, I think he's got he's got to go out and get a difference maker at that three, um, whether that's Matthew Cleveland or someone else, someone that can hit two threes a game, can play some good defense, hit you know hit the offensive boards, because the the main issue with the team the last year was we just didn't have shooting. Yeah, I think we'll get that with Denver and Aiden. Just also, I think like Aiden's really good when he comes because he's a pass first point guard. I think that's what you really want to see yeah. out of your one. You don't really want to see his shooting as much. I mean, it's great if he can, but for me, when I see a one, I want him to be able to pass pretty efficiently. Because sometimes last year, what we would do would be the window brings the ball up, he dribbles for like five seconds. There's a screen pick and roll screen or screenplay run. Nothing works from there. Passes to someone else. They hold the ball for three seconds. Either take the shot or pass back to window, and then it's like eight seconds left on the shot clock. That can't really work, especially with like yeah. Yeah, we need the whoever the the one is. Assuming it's Aiden, we just have to get into the offense quicker. Um, especially since you know we didn't have as much you know raw talent as well. Jabari can have the ball at the end of the shot clock and hit a shot because he's a top three NBA pick. They got to get in the offense earlier to try and find that shot because our shooters just weren't as gifted. But also, I do think, based on watching Aiden and some of the the Nike summits and stuff, we're gonna feel pretty comfortable with his with the ball in his hands at the end of the shot clock. He's he's got some special shot making ability where he can hit the long three, get to the paint even at his size, and like you know five six seconds left, get the ball back to him, and he's gonna create something. Yeah, it's just gonna be about building that around him. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our segment on Auburn basketball. When we come back, we are talking about the National Basketball Association. NBA playoffs kicked off this week, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest. Once again, you're hanging out with Griggs Blankenberg and Connor Greenberg today, filling in for Daniel. First segment, we talked about Auburn basketball, the NBA draft, and mainly what's going on there. Now it's time to get into this next segment of the show, which we're talking about the NBA playoffs. We can start about talking about Tuesday night. The Boston Celtics at TD Garden take a uh, two-game lead 
over the Atlanta Hawks, winning that one 119-106 at TD Garden. Uh, leading point scorer in that game was Jason Tatum and DeJounte Murray, both having 29 points. Uh, DeAndre Hunter with a leading rebounder in that game, 12 rebounds. And assists goes to Malcolm Brogdon, but the Celtics continue their dominance. They have a two-game lead heading into Atlanta this weekend. Yeah, I mean, lots of uh, lots of Virginia Cavaliers there with Malcolm Brogdon and DeAndre Hunter representing. Um, you always always love to see that, but uh, this series is a joke. This this series and the Net Sixers are four game series that are just a formality. Uh, the first half of the game one of that series was the least competitive NBA basketball I think I've ever seen in my life. I remember seeing Trey Young's stats of the last eight postseason games, which I think that's been how long it's been since he had that uh, amazing Knicks series a couple years ago, and it's just been bad. Yeah. And also, it's got to be bad, too. You see that anonymous poll that went out? He got voted the yeah. most overrated player in the NBA. That's got to hurt. Yeah, I mean, your franchise player, he's making a supermax money. This is this is the moment to shine. He was 9 for 22 last night. 2 for 8 from 3. That If you're going to beat the 2 seed and the, the reigning Eastern Conference champions, you're going to need your best player to not shoot 2 for 8 from 3. I mean, that's got to hurt your confidence, too, where in the anonymous poll, he win by, like, 18% of the vote, everyone else voted other. Yeah, I mean, that's gotta hurt. He, and this is now, I mean, he had a huge issue with Nate McMillan, um, which led to him being fired. And now, I mean, it certainly seems like there's some issue with Quinn Snyder. So I, sneaky, sneaky NBA offseason storyline is watch to see if they trade Trey Young because they, he's not the best player on a championship team, but he's making that kind of money. And maybe there's some team that wants to go all in, give them a bunch of picks, and then Atlanta can restart with DeJounte as, as their main ball handler. I mean, also with Quinn Snyder, you, know, you could have gotten probably any job you wanted this offseason, and you're going with the Hawks midseason. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't understand that, especially if there's been a lot of talk of Nick Nurse leaving Toronto to go to Houston. That Toronto job is, is solid. That's about as steady as a franchise that's out there. They've got two, you know, borderline all-star players in Siakam and Van Fleet. That job, to me, I would have waited. Or even, I mean, I don't, for his sake, I don't really know what the rush is. That, I mean, Atlanta, they've changed their GM coach in the last year. You know, you have Trey, who's the all-star, but really not much of a, a weapon on the defensive end and, and has struggled on offense a little bit, especially shooting the ball this year. I don't, I don't get his, his need to jump for that job. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, next series, it was the Cavaliers taking down the New York Knicks, 107-90. A little bit of blast from the past where um, Tom Thibodeau keeping Julius Randle in when they were down 15 without about a minute left, and he gets injured. Now, if you do not recall, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Thibodeau was the coach of the Chicago Bulls when they were the one seed when Derrick Rose was in a game where they were up 15 with a minute left, and that is when Derrick Rose tore his ACL. So you can't teach an uh, old dog new tricks and. Yeah, if you're a Knicks fan, I'd be furious about that. Also, if you were a 2009-10 Bulls fan and you saw Tom Thibodeau leaving someone in, I think you just got flashbacks and uh, you probably started breaking out into sweat a little bit. That was uh, that was egregious. Yes, that was. There was no need for that. Um, Darius Garland, the leading point scorer in this one, 32 points on eight of 17 shooting, 10 of 11 from the line. So, big time players are stepping up. I don't. It's been between him and Donovan Mitchell all year of who can get hot a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has probably been one of the, the best players in the NBA this year. That was an unbelievable trade for them. And uh, 
you know, watching this game, Mitchell kind of killed them in game one. I think he had 36. Um, they just they just tried to trap Donovan the whole time, and he said, okay, I'll pass to Darius Garland. And I think Donovan Mitchell had about 13, 14 assists. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if Thibodeau's going to double Mitchell the whole time, other th- opposed to Utah, now Donovan Mitchell has the playmakers around him where they can hit the shots and score. Cleveland, I mean, if, if Giannis is not 100% healthy and Cleveland wins this series, Cleveland's got a shot. Cleveland does. I mean, I only saw Isaac Okoro only played three minutes and started the game. That was very odd to see that. Yeah, I wonder if he left hurt. Yeah, because Seti Osman played around 23 minutes, and I was really interested to see that. Yeah, and they, they need Okoro on Randall. Because me and you went to the Hawks game a couple weeks ago, and he didn't play as well, so maybe he's still fighting that injury a little bit, wherever that yeah. issue that's bugging him. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure they don't, especially early on in the series, but this was one that Cleveland had to have. You cannot, you cannot go back to MSG down 2 nothing. So that was that yeah, was Cleveland needed thing. that one. That was a big one for them. Uh, next game up, the game I think we're going to spend most of the time on for this segment, the Phoenix Suns fighting back against the Los Angeles Clippers, winning 123-109. Devin Booker scores 38 points off the Suns, scoring 35 in the second quarter, 33 in the third, and 31 in the fourth. Leading point score was Devin Booker, 14 of 22, 6 of 6 from the line. Also, the resurgence of Kawhi Leonard, 31 points, 11 for 20 shooting, Six of seven from the line. DeAndre Aiden, 13 rebounds. Devin Booker, nine assists. It's got to feel good to get see some Devin Booker like step up like this. Your franchise player. Can you call him the franchise player? Or would because Durant's he's, still so new. He's the franchise player because, I mean, as a Suns fan, we've been building for him to be the guy for seven or eight years. And uh, if you, I mean, watching the games, I love KD. It it's painfully it painfully looks like he's still the new guy. I mean, it's not. This is not vintage Kevin Durant we're watching. Um, obviously, part of that is affected by Kawhi Leonard, who's probably the best on-ball defender in the NBA. But um, I think Devin realized that. And going into halftime, he Booker hit a buzzer beater to tie it, but it was it was not a pretty first half. And uh, you could kind of see the, that Booker flip the switch in his head. He was super aggressive in the second half. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, I mean, another another game that we had to absolutely win that game. Um the the issue I think going forward for the Suns in the series is there is no production off the bench, and uh, Booker and and Durant played forty five minutes out yeah. of forty eight, and going forward we don't this series has no extra off days. There's only been one off since game one and one off since game two. Tomorrow night, if they're gassed in the fourth quarter, that's going to be a big problem. Uh yeah, it's, when you're talking about bench production, only se- uh 13 points off the bench. That is not going to work the rest of this series. No, and hopefully, hopefully, campaign will be back. He's he was questionable going into game two with a back injury, and he's a guy that a can give Chris Paul and Devin Booker some minutes on the bench, but he can also be a bit of a spark plug. Um, on the finals run a couple years ago, he was a guy that could give you you know go on a little six seven zero run by himself and give a, give you a little bit of a spark. Um. But Josh Akogi was a guy who he started a lot of games and uh, had been had become kind of a key contributor. He barely played in game one, and he was on the floor more in game two, but didn't really make much of an impact. So, you know, between him and Torrey Craig, you're going to need whoever's coming off the bench to, to give you a, a couple threes or something to kind of get through. Yeah, just not – Bismack Biombo is one of your leading scorers off the bench. That's not a great sign, but – then again, I mean, Kevin Durant 0 for 4 from 3, but he's still got 25 points, 10 of 19 shooting. 
Uh, Chris Paul, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists. He beat the Scott Foster curse. He beat the allegations. He beat the allegations. Chris Paul, this year has been a bit of a challenge for him. He's been a little bit on and off the court, and he's had moments where you realize that he's 39 years old, and then at the end of that game, he kind of just goes back to the mid-range, cook, cook Russell Westbrook, and and kind of clinch it. You go, yeah, that's that's still the point guard. Yeah, also it warms my heart to see Nick Batum somehow still having a starting job in the National Basketball Association. 19 minutes starting for the Clippers, 0-4 from shooting field goals, 0-4 on, from four from three points. We only took four shots. They were all behind the three-point line, missed every single one of them. One rebound, one assist, three personal fouls. I saw a rap bar I can't really say on air. Someone was like, why the blank is Batum in on, I think, TikTok the other day, and that was the funniest lyric. Of, <laughs> one of the best NBA bars I've ever heard because – Nick Batum was had one good year for Charlotte, and then Charlotte's like, we have to pay him or he's going to go somewhere else. We paid him, and then he just never did anything again. Yeah, I mean, he has a role in that team just as a kind of on offense, the corner kick out, but he is such a liability on defense because when he's, when he's guarding the five and he gets put in the pick and roll, I mean, it, I almost felt bad for him watching Devin Booker drive on him. And Kawhi Leonard is just the – Kawhi Leonard, you can point to Kawhi Leonard, I heard this the other day, but you can point to him and be like, this is why load management works. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, you know, on NBA, Twitter or whatever, a lot of conversations about if you could start a draft and pick one player to start your franchise, and almost everyone would say Giannis, there's a real argument for Kawhi Leonard. If he could stay, if you're guaranteed to stay on the court for 82 games, I think the answer is Kawhi Leonard because, I mean, he is, A, such an unbelievable defender, but he, he hits ridiculous shots. He's such, he's got such a pure shooting stroke. I mean, he he gives me nightmares as an opposing fan watching him because every time he gets the ball, I'm just pretty confident that he's going to score. Yeah, and especially with him just being like he's been there before. He knows how to win big games. He's done it with the Spurs, he's done it with the Raptors. He knows what it takes to get to this stage and especially right now with Paul George not being in this series. So I think that mantra in the Sixers locker room is like, "Listen, if we can get this if we can find a way to win this series, then we got Paul George back, and then we're having a chance against what are they? It's the four-five matchup. Yeah, they would. They're gonna play the Nuggets. So they'll play the Nuggets, and the Nuggets aren't being really tested right now by the Timberwolves at all. So. No, that series is a bit of a joke. I mean, yeah, the, the Clippers are a really good team, and and for for as much as he gets kind of clowned, Russell Westbrook is still an NBA Hall of Famer. He still has, you know, his moments, especially on the defensive end. So this is, I think, a lot more gonna be gonna be more of a series than a lot of NBA people thought. Because a the Clippers, you know, are better than people are going to give them credit for, but also the Suns just look a little bit dysfunctional because they've only played, you know, eight games with this roster with Kevin Durant have been being hurt and then Chris Paul being in and out of the lineup. So you know they're kind of still working out the kinks. But uh, whoever wins this series is going to give Denver a run for their money. Yeah, it's just like also, but you really need that bench production because without that bench production, you can't yeah. be repeating our, this. Our bench production is currently playing for the Brooklyn Nets, which is a bit of a problem. Yeah, just. <laughs> Then not too much. You got to find a way to get some something like that off the bench. Uh, we could do one more game before we go to break. Let's go to last night. We had the Lakers versus the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies win this one 103-93 without John Morant. The series is tied 1-1, going back to Crypto.com Arena. It's still weird calling it that. Uh, no jaw, and the Grizzlies somehow still win surely, this. Surely some people's greatest player of all time didn't lose to the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant in a playoff game. That I can't. That can't be right. Yeah, twenty-eight points to LeBron, twelve of twenty-three from the field goals, three of four from free throws. Um, but yeah, it was the LeBron. Uh, LeBron James couldn't help out um, 
Rui Hachimura and Austin Reese enough for them to win. Yeah, I mean, and I, as much as I would love to sit here and hate on LeBron, the other two of their big three, Anthony Davis was four for fourteen, and D'Angelo Russell was two for eleven. The, that is ridiculous. The fact that Rui Hachimura had thirty point. 30-plus points last game or something like that, or like 28, and Jared Vanderbilt is still starting over him is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt's a good defender, but... Uh, yeah, he had 20 points off the bench. They had 27 bench points in total. There, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a way, a method that you could say, oh, you leave him on the bench so that he can be the scoring off the bench. Like I, I wish the Suns had a Rui Hachimura coming off the bench just to give us 15, 20 a game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as LeBron... I mean, LeBron had a good game, but you're, if Anthony Davis makes four four shots, the Lakers cannot win. I'm looking at this Grizzlies like lineup right now. Just like they were all so like evenly like all their starters at least got ten points, and then they had one guy on the bench. Luke they had Luke Kennard scoring thirteen points, and yeah, that's how they won that one. So that was very interesting to see that, especially with no jaw. And now they're going back to L.A. Where if the Grizzlies can take this next one, then the whole series gets flipped around because after that game one, everyone's like, okay, the Lakers are gonna win this in like five. Yeah, I think the home team in both Crypto.com Arena series is going to lose at least one of Game 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to do it for our first segment with the NBA. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the matchups and then some of the ones upcoming this weekend. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest. You're once again hanging out with Greg Blankenberg, Connor Greenberg today for Daniel Locke. First off, we talked about Auburn basketball, talking about the NBA some. Now we're getting back into the NBA a little bit, talking about another series that's tied 1-1 that could be very interesting now that the health of Giannis is up in the air. It is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. Milwaukee taking the second one at Pfizer Forum the other, last night, 138-122. Leading scorer in this one was Brooke Lopez. Did I say that right? Brooke Lopez was the it leading scorer. It is not scorer. 2012. Brooke Lopez was the leading scorer last night. Brooke Lopez, 25 points, and the Bucks made 20 Five three pointers. My word, they beat the Heat 138 to 122. Unbelievable. The Buck 25 up for 49 shooting threes. They shot 49 threes last night. Yeah, I mean, you rarely see an NBA playoff game that high scoring. Um, 51% from three. I don't know if that was in Eric Spolster defense, but the Heat shot 44. So this was just a regular season game disguised in April. Grayson Allen, four of eight. Yuck. Yeah, everyone on besides Brooke Lopez. How many, how many trips though? He only he had no fouls, which is kind of crazy to think about it. Uh, Duke's paying off the refs again. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, but Bobby Portis, three for four from the line. He had five fouls. But everyone on the starting lineup for the Bucks, except the leading scorer somehow, Brooke Lopez made a three. Um, but he's so he's just probably getting those offensive boards probably. But Drew Holiday, four of ten from three. Just so. Yeah, very, very high scoring in this one. Not, a, I mean, you also had Pat Connington coming off the bench, 6-10 from three for 22 points. So, Yeah, I mean, and the Bucks scored 138. They only, they only took eight free throws. So this was, this was just a domination without Giannis, but this was a classic Mike Budenholzer, we're just not going to lose this game, and they didn't. Yeah, still without Jimmy. Jimmy Butler scored 25 as well. Bam Adebayo, 18. They had some players. I mean, Victor Oladipo came off the bench, scored 15 points. It's just last night. If the story of last night could call it something, would be winning without the star power. Because yeah, Grizzlies won without Jaw. Bucks won by 16 without um, the one of the best player in the NBA. So yeah, I mean, Milwaukee's just they're just 
they're such a well-run machine at this point. I mean, and, you know, we talk about the Suns having depth. They have Jay Crowder, Pat Connaughton, Joe Ingles, and Goran Dragic coming off the bench. And being able to just have that, you know, whether Giannis is in or not, it, it can it can really change the series because the Heat the Heat don't have that and uh, you know that's I mean listen the Bucks are the probably the cream of the crop in the NBA no offense Daniel but uh, <laughs> you know that's that's what makes them so dangerous is they can rotate and they, and that you look at their starting lineup the scoring without Giannis in is so balanced especially coming out of the East because the Bucks were everyone's pick to come out of the East I think for the most part just with the depth they have with Drew Holiday coming back Chris Middleton's healthy so if Giannis gets healthy I mean. That Heat Bucks game, it's not gonna. It, the Heat don't win that game if Giannis doesn't come out of that game. What it was like the right. second quarter, yeah. So the Bucks are like, okay, guys, let's get it together. We're still the number one seed for a reason. This team had to go to two playing games to play to play, play us here. So let's get it. Let's figure it out. Let's get out there because again, they're the perennial favorite. Because if the Bucks win this, they got to play the winner of the Cavs Knicks, which I think the Bucks will win in. Yeah. Five and then that 76ers Celtics series is gonna go six or seven games. Yeah, that's that's where the Bucks have that leg up is that that Sixers Celtics series, even though the Celtics in recent history do own them, those I don't know if you know those cities don't like each other very they, much. They, they don't? Wow. They are not super friendly. That is gonna be a slug fest, brutal series, and whoever whoever comes out of that is gonna come out of that pretty beat up, tired, when the Bucks, you know, should win the should win that four or five series in in five or six. And that's that's to me where the Bucks will just have such a leg up is those first two games in Milwaukee. I don't think they'll be overly competitive. Which is what happened last year, I think, a little bit too. Because with the Celtics, besides the first series with the Nets, they went to seven games in each of their two series. I think it was versus the Heat, and then I think it was versus was it the Bucks? It was the Bucks. So again, that's what you're kind of hoping for with Milwaukee. It's like, okay, guys, let's get through the Heat in five, potentially maybe six. Let's rest up a little bit because. We're going to have to play the Celtics, who are most likely going to sweep the Hawks at this point, yeah. unless the Hawks find some way to get a Trey Young game. <laughs> but then you have to realize with the Milwaukee, it's like, okay, we take care of the Knicks, we take care of the Cavs, we're going to play a very tired Celtics team. Who I get they know how to play when they're tired because they did it all last year in the playoffs, but that series versus the 76ers is going to be six or seven hard-fought games. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure, and and – just uh, there's a lot of emotion in that rivalry as well so there's there's that aspect to it um it'll be great appointment television to watch that series but you know that's why that's why the bucks and celtics fought for that one seed it was just the, basically the right to avoid the sixers because regardless of how much better one team is you're just going to get beat up by Joel Embiid inside any any big is going to is going to leave that series hurting a little bit mm-hmm, for sure so as an interesting one it goes back to Pfizer form uh to on s- I think that's Saturday night, or no? We go back to what's the name of the Heat's new arena? Oh. The, the arena's name they changed it was FTX, and now it's the Kaisa Center. Why okay. they Why they change it from FTX? I don't know. <laughs> Probably something went down. And our final game from the second round, second game of this one was the Timberwolves 113, Denver 122. Uh, leading score in this one was Anthony Edwards, 41 points, along with Jamal Murray scoring 40 points. For the Nuggets, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, 12 rebounds, leader in that one. And then Nikolai Jokic, leading assist man for the Nuggets. So I think the Nuggets have gotten disrespected a little bit. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, they've never really shown themselves in the playoffs. I think this is back-to-back years they've been the one seed, I think, potentially. 
I don't think they were the one last year, but they might have been the two. I knew they were very high last year, but this is this is also the first run they've had everybody since the bubble. Jamal mm. Murray hasn't played in two years, and he at his best. I mean, you saw he dropped forty last night. He's an NBA All Star when he's healthy. I mean, they have this is the first time they have their full complement of roster except for the the little nugget Griggs Blankenberg, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they're a really good team, and Mike Malone is an elite coach. They're I agree. They've been disrespected for good reason. They've they've kind of flopped in and out of the playoffs. They've they've struggled, um, but now they have Aaron Gordon. They have a healthy Michael Porter Jr. And then you have the big two of Jokic and Murray and KCP. Even though it was in La Bubble, uh, has uh, Finals experience. He's a good piece to have. Um, and Christian Brown from Kansas last year, who's a rookie, has given them a little bit of a spark at times. So they're, I mean, they're the one seed for a reason. They're they should be they should be the favorite coming out of the West to make the finals. I wouldn't say favorite to come out of the West. Maybe not. Like I know why. I'm looking pretty like dumb now at this one. Um, but yeah, still great game from the Timberwolves. I'll move on to the other one. We had uh, Warriors Kings, which is why I'm sounding a little bit not smart because I said the Warriors were probably going to come out of the West. Not looking like that now at all. Uh, the Kings win that one, 114, 106 on Monday night. The Kings take a 2-0 series lead back to um, what's the the arena's name for the... I think it's the Oracle. No, that's... Or no, the Chase Center. The no. Chase Center. I think it is the Chase Center. I think it is. Wait. It might be the Chase Center. I think it is the Chase Center. But, yeah, making me look pretty dumb because I said the Warriors were going to go. I'm like, okay, they were not healthy the entire year. They're going to find a way to get it done. Uh, yeah, it is the Chase Center. But, yeah, just the Kings have been dominant. They've silenced the haters who are like, oh, the Warriors are going to win this one easy. Then, yeah, Steph Curry, 28 points. But then... Uh, like De'Aaron Fox, 24 points. Sabonis, 24 points. Um, they're not getting too uh, – Clay Thompson, 21. Um, but, yeah, now that Draymond's out for the second game, even though he's not done too, too much, this series is – it's looking like Sacramento. Unless I feel like Golden State will win probably the next two, even though still – You think, going back with their pedigree, and then the Kings really don't have any playoff experience. But, but Draymond being out is an interesting one. You know, obviously – He's been around for a while. He's not someone that's going to fill up the box score. But he does a lot of the little things. Um, I think that my main takeaway from this series is De'Aaron Fox is probably one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I'd say so. Yeah, him and – yeah, the Kings just have a bunch of just, like, players that I could see as, like, role players that have transformed into a good team. I mean, the names on the starting roster, um, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter of the uh, Atlanta Hawks last year. Uh, Malik Monk scoring 18 points off the bench. I miss that a lot. But they're winning games. I mean, they shot 45%. They only shot 23% from the three-point line. But they really made their uh, work done at the free throw line going 21 of 29, with the Warriors only going 15 of 18. So they made it work at the line. Because the Warriors had three guys in their starting lineup have five fouls, Green, Looney, and Wiggins. Yeah, and they don't, especially now with Draymond out, they don't have a ton of depth at at the bigs. But, and, I mean, the Kings are just good. They're the three seed, and they've been disrespected. I mean, like you said, everyone was like, oh, we're assuming that we're going to get a Warriors-Lakers second-round matchup. And I don't – not so fast. I mean, I, I watching these two games, you know, I, I think De'Aaron Fox might be better than John Morant. It's a bit of a hot take. De'Aaron Fox better than John Morant? I might, I might take De'Aaron Fox over John Morant. Ooh. That is definitely a spicy meatball. Off, off the off the court things included. Oh, okay. Well, again, I mean, that's a tough one to say. I mean, 
they don't get to this point without uh, De'Aaron Fox. And I definitely don't think the Grizzlies are the two seed without Jaw. Even though Jaw missed a decent amount this year through injuries and off the court stuff. But I mean, De'Aaron Fox is the first ever NBA Clutch Player of the Year. Why do they give that out? These awards out? I feel like the playoffs should count for some of these awards. Like Clutch Player of the Year, it should go down to the final game of the year. I feel like I agree. I think in all sports, especially the NBA, playoffs should factor in the award because one hundred percent. We don't. I mean, the MVP race between Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic. It should be whoever goes farthest. I think that's what they don't want it to become. They don't want it to become like the playoff MVP becomes the regular season, the the whole season MVP. But I get where they're coming from. But yeah, I mean, the clutch, at least the clutch performer as well. That should be the person who comes up the biggest in like the finals game. Because I heard it on a podcast, it's going to be end up who being whoever took the last shot. Yeah, but I just think like if you want to give it to Embiid, he's got to get past the second round. I mean, also, yeah, I mean. He's never he's never been to the Eastern Conference. And finals. if Jokic, I mean, like, or maybe he maybe he was with Benson. Especially like what Barry Benson once said, with you like Jazz, the Timberwolves don't like the Jazz really much right now because of all they gave up for Rudy Gobert to do nothing. But yeah, because I mean, the Nuggets just don't have like kind of like speaking with Jokic, like he doesn't. I mean, he's got to prove himself in the playoffs. I mean, you can't go yeah. three peat back to back to back without. Well, that was that was the disrespect Giannis got when he won his first two MVPs. Was he's got to do it in the playoffs, and now and now he has. But. Now he has. He's got his he's got his ring, but the you know the Jokic Embiid debate is just going to go down to who who gets the finals. The first. Whole I don't thing, think either one of them is probably good enough to win the finals with their current team. The whole thing with Embiid also just because and the whole everything the 76ers fans are just slandering Jokic just because he's not like top five in scoring. But he's like top five in like everything else. Yeah, I, I think the most valid criticism of Jokic as a player is he's occasionally a liability on defense versus Embiid is a plus defender for his position. Um, but I I mean, as just a basketball fan, watching Jokic pass the ball as a seven-footer is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably the best passer of a center or a seven-footer ever versus uh, Embiid to me is just so not fun to watch because he's just a bit of a bully and he'll kind of bat- – it's, it's sort of like Shibwe in college. Um, MB's got a little bit more finesse, and obviously he can shoot, but Jokic plays the game pretty. Yeah, just he does. It's just the fact it's just like I don't want this like the MVP award to kind of turn out just be like the highest scorer award because I don't like. Yeah, that it, doesn't make sense. The MVP to me. should be the best player on the best team. It should be. I mean, the most valuable player. That's why someone said, um, I can't remember what sport it was. I think it might have been basketball, like the most valuable player. I mean, it's going to be Embiid, but who's the most valuable player to their team in all of basketball? Who would you say that is this year? I mean, certainly Jokic is in the conversation just because he he fills the stat sheet for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at the performance last night, I'm not sure you can really give it to Giannis considering they won by 16 without him. Um, I'm giving it to Kelly Oubre, actually. Is Kelly Oubre still in the NBA? He's still in the Hornets. It, I mean, yeah, the Hornets are just a mess. We've talked about that enough on this show. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it'll be Embiid. Sun's legend, Kelly Oubre, by the I way. I think it'll be Embiid, and if it's not Embiid, the, seven, the Philly will show their wrath. Yeah, they might They might have to uh, grease the light poles again in uh, in downtown Philadelphia. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I think I think it's Embiid's turn just because he's probably earned one of the last three. And mm-hmm. I don't – the NBA traditionally will not give Jokic three in a yeah. row. 
That is going to do it for our talk on the NBA. When we come back, we're talking a little bit of soccer. What? Yeah, we're talking soccer on the Eagles Nest, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Once again, Greg Blankenberg and Connor Greenberg today filling in for Daniel Locke, who's taking a test today. We So far, we've talked about all basketball. Now it's time to take it across the pond as we're talking about soccer. We can start off talking about the English Premier League's table still in first place after all this time, 31 games played at 23-5-3. It is Arsenal at 74 points, only three points ahead of second place Manchester City, who's in seven, who has 70 points but one game in hand. Yeah, and they, that's the matchup on Sunday this weekend. So that is appointment television for anyone watching soccer. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the title decider. I mean, when they play that, they City and Arsenal still have a game to play. That's, that's the game that's going to come down because if City win that game or honestly even get a point, Arsenal's crumbling under the pressure. They, they are – They've been in, on top of the table for far too long that they're starting to feel it. They have no experience. And uh, if it comes down to Pep Guardiola versus pretty much anybody other than Sir Alex Ferguson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on Pep. But it's Manchester City Arsenal is April 26th, this upcoming Wednesday. Oh, it's a Wednesday. Yeah, this weekend uh, City plays at, uh, on the road at Brighton, Hove Albion, and then uh, Arsenal are hosting Southampton. So Arsenal can't afford to drop points on this one. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is you. Uh, now that that's a midweek game, I did not know that. It'll be interesting to see if they rotate the lineups, try and get some rest. I know Arsenal's pretty beat up at the back, um, but yeah, I mean that's if if City win that game with with six or seven games to go, Arsenal's going to feel the pressure and crack. But then City also now has to juggle the Champions League, so it's it. You know, a month ago it looked like it was going to be a bit of a boring Arsenal kind of sleepwalk into the title. Now we got a full on title race, which is fun. Yeah, this Sunday as well. It'll be Brighton and Ho Albion versus Manchester United. So what does that mean for um, who is City? I thought City was playing Brighton. Oh, that one got postponed. So City does not play this weekend. So Arsenal will have two games in hand after this weekend because United is playing uh, Brighton, Brighton on in think, the FA Cup. Uh, yeah, FA Cup semis are this weekend. So uh, United was supposed to play Chelsea this weekend, and then it got postponed. And, uh, you know, City – should be able to pretty ro- rotate pretty heavily and beat Sheffield United. I would I would think, It'd be which awesome gives if them. They didn't. It would be great if they didn't. But I think Pep will be pretty comfortable to rotate, which puts Arsenal at an even bigger disadvantage for that game on Wednesday. And still in the Premier League, at third is Manchester United, eighteen five and seven at fifty nine points. Uh, fourth place, it's looking like the Carabao Cup final. It is Newcastle, thirty games played, fifty six points. The one thing they do hold over Manchester United, though is that dreaded goal differential where United is plus 9, Newcastle is plus 24, so they could flip into the third place in the Premier League after this weekend. Yeah, the 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 goal difference is going to be interesting, but I, you know, with Tottenham be, being the mess they are at the moment, um, Tottenham has already played an extra game. They're three points back on Newcastle and and six of United. I think the top four is going to be pretty solid. Um, the the one potential is that if Liverpool, I think, could go on a big run, win their last you know six games in a row, I think maybe they could sneak in, because um, I do think Newcastle is going to kind of slip up between now and then. Yes, Tottenham's in fifth, thirty one points, fifty three, uh, fifty one, uh, thirty one games played, fifty three points. Uh, looking further down the table, uh, the other big six, Liverpool is in eighth with thirty games played, forty seven points. Chelsea still in eleventh, thirty one 
games played, 10 wins, 9 draws, 12 losses. They're sitting at a negative 3 goal differential for 39 points, just 3 points above Daniel's Crystal Palace Eagles. So that could be interesting with that, how that comes down. Imagine Chelsea, they're talking about, I saw like this uh, fan of Chelsea, they're talking about they're going to win the Conference League next year. I mean, like, they're not going to make they're it. They're not going to make you it. you got to finish seventh to get there. And and based on the table right now, Chelsea is officially the second best team in West London. Yes, Fulham is currently in at 10, 30 games played, 12 wins, 6 draws, 12 losses, uh, 42 points, one plus one goal differential. And they're still winning even without Mitrovic right now, who got that red card in the United FA Cup draw a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this has been a great season for them. I mean, typically Fulham's been, in recent history, been a bit of a yo-yo club, kind of mm-hmm. coming up and going right back down. Um They've got they've got some staying power. They've got a lot of talent. If they can hold on and build this summer, you know, they could potentially be a team in the next you know couple of years to challenge for for a European spot. Especially with like staying up, just that extra money you get. In the past couple of years, you've it's been like what you said, a yo-yo up and down. So you didn't always get that same amount of money. So that's going to be interesting to see, especially if they can hold on for this one. Um, speaking of the bottom, right now it's looking like it is, I think between three, five or six teams maybe. Uh, uh, right now in the current relegation spots is Nottingham Forest, uh, Leicester, and Southampton at 27 points for Nottingham, 25 for Leicester, and 23 for Southampton. Looking like it will for sure be Southampton, but Premier League winners Leicester City back in 2016 have a real scary chance of being relegated here. Seven wins, four draws, and 20 losses. Yeah, them and Southampton have the most losses. I mean, it's this is an interesting relegation battle because you're likely – I mean, I think Forest are going to end up staying up, so you're you're potentially looking at at least one of, if not two, of Leicester, Everton, Leeds, and West Ham going down, and those are those are some big clubs. I mean, Everton and West Ham are certainly have not been relegated in a long time, and then Leicester and Leeds, you know, have been recently some of the bigger clubs in England. So, you know, it's 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 going to be tight, and you know that's why you see. I mean, Southampton changed their manager twice. Leicester just brought in a new manager. There, you know, with seven games left. It's going to be a crazy push to the finish. I think I think Everton will stay up. I, I do too, would. just because Sean Dyche is such a good manager, and he's got so much experience dealing with relegation battles with Burnley. I mean, he he survived a lot longer than most people would have. Unfortunately for uh, our American boys, I think Leeds are going to end up going down. And Jack Harrison. Well, no one cares about Jack Harrison. I like but. Jack Harrison. Um, but, yeah, their next couple matches for Everton, it's at, uh, on the road at Crystal Palace, at home versus Newcastle. And then they go – they have an interesting way to finish. It's kind of in their favor a little bit, but then some of it's not. They go Leicester on the road, Brighton on the road, City at home, uh, Wolverhampton on the road, and then they finish off with Bournemouth at home, which could be a very interesting final day of the Premier League battle with Bournemouth currently sitting 14th. Could maybe slip up a little bit, but – Bournemouth has had some luck beating Liverpool and then Chelsea, I think, in the past couple or no, beating uh Tottenham. Yeah. Bournemouth Bournemouth, I think in fourteenth, even though they're not they don't have a huge point gap, I think Bournemouth is probably safe. I think West Ham, they have a game in hand. If they can get a point in their game in hand, I think that's probably where you draw the line of, So then it'll be the those last five. That teams, bottom think, five. Yeah. And Leeds and Leeds? Leicester play next week. That's a huge game. If Leeds can win that, I think they'll stay up. If I Leeds think. can beat Leicester, I think that seals probably both teams' fates. I think the only team this will probably come back to haunt me. The only team that's probably I think is for sure going down is gonna be Southampton. Yeah, I, I, think I can see I think they're done. I can they see just any, don't have the they don't have the ability up front to score enough goals. Because I can see anyone I, Something about West Ham. I don't think West Ham, if they win, I think they or they draw. I just don't see them finding a way to 
have where a Nottingham or an Everton can get four more points than them in the final whatever it is matches. Yeah, I'll be I'll be sad to see Forrest go down if they do. They're they they've just been spend so much money, man. Like yeah, but they've been fun to watch. I mean, they have been. I mean, Jesse Lingard, Man United legend. Dean Henderson with his baseball <laughs> hat wearing in the goalkeeper spot. Yeah. That was I I no longer want Dean Henderson back in Man United because he wears the hat. Yeah, I'm just like you're not Peter Check. You're not wearing the the protective it, heading gear. It's you're not wearing a hat. Just, yeah, just stop. And for Leicester, I mean, that's got a. I mean, you go from the top of the world playing in the Champions League fighting for top four even as soon as I think 2020 they were fighting for top four well Brendan Rodgers they the they had two seasons where they were in the top four for the entire season until the last day they lost to Man United one year in the last game and the next year Liverpool jumped them I know we had a game a couple years ago United did against Wolverhampton I think that was I think that was 2020 I'm pretty sure where it came down to the last yeah, Man United played Leicester the last day, and the winner yeah, that's, the winner that's the of that, and uh, Jesse Lingard scored a late goal around the goalie to seal the win. I remember watching that at the beach. Yeah, that's how we got top four. But yeah, that was the COVID year. Just it's so crazy to see that because a team like that, like again, won the Premier League more recently than teams like Arsenal, than more recently than Man United, definitely more recently than Tottenham, more recently than Chelsea. I think right. Or did Chelsea uh, win in twenty seventeen? I think Chelsea won the year after with Conte. Yeah. But but still, I mean they've they've played in the Champions League more recently than Arsenal. Yeah, and just the way it's just the fall from grace, really. I think well, a lot of their role players on that team, like Jamie Vardy. He's old. He's old. Like I mean team, there's there's nothing really left. Christian from that team. Fuchs, who was on the team, also is gone. All these other players. Marez has been gone for a while, Conte. So I mean they've, they've it's just changed. once you won that. It's just like all these other, yeah. which is why the big six kind of is not great sometimes for soccer, just because someone like a little team like this has success. Their good players get snatched up like that. Yeah, and they they had done a really good job on recruitment for a while. They just, I mean, they have some, they've got a lot of talent. They just haven't played well. I mean, Wilford and Didi at a one time was going to be a Man United player or a Chelsea player, and he just, he hasn't done much this year. Um, they spent a ton of money on, on a lot of younger talent that just hasn't panned out, and you know that's that's the risk and what what makes soccer so unique is you know those little teams take such a big financial gamble to spend on players and if it doesn't work they're going down. Mm-hmm. Let's go through some of the matches this weekend and give some of our predictions real quick. Uh first off uh on Friday Arsenal versus Southampton Arsenal. Yeah, I mean I think it'd be closer. I think I think it could Arsenal be a game for about 40 want. minutes um especially if Arsenal rotates a little bit mm-hmm. in advance of that City game but they Southampton has no business playing that game. Yeah. Um, other games from this weekend, Fulham versus Leeds. So this could be an interesting one for Leeds just because it'd be great for them to win one. Fulham's in an in interesting form. They've won only one in their last five matches. Yeah, I could I could see a draw here. This is a bit of a, a USA derby. I think they played in the FA Cup uh, a couple weeks ago or maybe last month. And, when uh, Fulham won, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, Fulham, Fulham beat them. Uh, I think Fulham's the better team, but... Again, I that, could see I could see Leeds scraping a point here. Uh, yeah, I think they could scrape a point, especially with again Mitrovic still being out. And I think I don't know. I think they appealed. Um, uh, what's um, uh, why am I blanking on his name for Fulham? Former Chelsea player. Oh, uh, William. Yeah, I think they appealed his red straight red card and he got it down to one game only. Yeah, he should be back. Um, and he's he's got some talent. I I mean I think. I wouldn't be shocked if Fulham won, but I, I'm going to go with the draw. Uh, Brentford, Aston Villa. I'm going Aston Villa. <laughs> um, I forgot his name, their manager. I don't want to mess it up. Unai? Yeah, Unai. is just gotten them from potentially being in the championship to potentially playing in Europe next year in like a matter of 
two to three months. Yeah, they've, uh, they've won five in a row. Brentford's on pretty bad form. Uh, Brentford has also had a great season. Thomas Frank's been mm-hmm. a great manager for them. But I'm going to go Villa on the on the current form. Uh, Everton Crystal Palace. Um, I'm going to go draw on this one. Draw's not bad. I think at Selhurst Park, I'm going to go Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leicester City versus Wolverhampton. Um, I'm, I'm going to go. I might like Leicester here. I'm going to go Wolverhampton just because, again, Leicester's in such bad form. But maybe they'll be like, okay, guys, we need to win this one. Like, bad. I think that's a derby as well since mm-hmm. they're they're both from the Midlands. I, I think Leicester might show up. I know this – it's like their second game maybe with their new manager. Um, like and the first one was against City, so I'll, I'll give the – I'll give a pass, but new manager bounce. Give me Leicester there. Liverpool, quickly, Liverpool versus Nottingham. I think this is going to be a draw just because Liverpool plays down in their competition. I refuse to pick Liverpool, so in my biased opinion, go forced. Uh, AFC Bournemouth versus West Ham. Another interesting one down at the bottom. I think draw. I, I think it's at Bournemouth. I think it's a draw. And then finally, uh, Newcastle versus Tottenham. Big game for the folks in red up north. Yeah, I mean this is this is a huge game for the top four. Who would you I, rather? Who would you rather win this one? Tottenham, I'm guessing. Um, because then we'd be we'd still be three points up. Yeah, from from Manchester United's perspective, two Tottenham winning helps. But I just think at St James's Park, that's one of the best atmospheres in all of England. They know they need this to get the top four to create that separation, and. Tottenham being, you know, having just lost to Bournemouth, I'm gonna. I think I think Newcastle probably wins this one, like maybe three nothing, maybe three one. Harry Kane grabs one. Mm. Interesting. I'm gonna go. Tottenham wins two one, and that is gonna do it for our first hour of the show. When we come back, we still got another hour of the show left. MLB talk coming right up after this. You're listening to Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Griggs Blankenberg, Connor Greenberg here along with you for the second hour of the show. First off, we talked a lot on uh, basketball, both Auburn and NBA. Then we stopped with a little bit of soccer. Now we're turning it back to America's pastime with the MLB. We'll start how we always do, looking at the standings in the American League East, everyone's favorite division, quote-unquote. It is the Tampa Bay Rays who are still in first place, 16-3, and best record in all of baseball, they are four and a half above Connor Greenberg's New York Yankees. Yeah, we got some time. I'm, uh, I mean, the Rays are very good. They've they've caused fits for this this modern edition of the Yankees. But uh, once we once we get healthy, I know they just had uh, Jeffrey Springs has got Tommy John going to Tommy John. Yeah, so that's a big loss for them. At some point, we're going to get Carlos Rodon back. I think Harrison Bader is coming back soon, uh, within the next week or two. So we're Hopefully going to get stronger, although losing Stanton is a big blow. Yeah, what is that for, I think? Six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. not. That's a classic classic John Carlos Stanton month and a half IL stint. Yeah, you also, uh, I mean, IKF, I mean, you could throw him right in there for potentially playing the outfield a little bit. Um, I think IKF would be a great fit for the uh, KBO. <laughs> um, I, uh, if, if Aaron Boone, last night, Aaron Boone pinch hits IKF in a bottom of the ninth inning, two out, runner on third situation for the second time in the last like two weeks. He did it in Baltimore as well, and they still won. Well, they won despite that. I mean, why? I he he does he does it because Franchi Cordero, uh, former Red Sox legend, shout out Daniel, mm-hmm. um, it was lefty lefty, and he does not hit lefties very well. I would literally, I think I'd rather pinch hit Garrett Cole than IKF. Whoa! I mean, it it is he doesn't he can't hit the ball to the outfield. 
I think he's two for 25 now. Um, he can't play defense. I'm not sure what he's bringing to the table other than Aaron Boone and some of the analytics nerds continue to say that he's good at defense, even though he makes an error every other game. Yankees take on the Angels for the final game of the series. To decide who wins the series today. You can get into this one for $4 at Yankee Stadium. $4. Yeah, the, uh, the afternoon games at Yankee Stadium are uh, not often packed. But I can't say that's the same for all teams. But some of us just are. The Yankees win today. They're still the only team in baseball to have not lost a series yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on down a little bit more, we got the Orioles, who are also tied with the Yankees. Toronto, five games back, and then under five hundred, seven games back of the Rays are the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, you really, you really just love to see that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, they're not, they're not my most hated team, but uh, they're just not very good. I mean, that this is what happens when you let all of your star players leave. Um, except and for Devers, except for Devers, I'll give I'll give Daniel Devers. But and they, uh, just, they just don't have the pitching. Like I look at their yeah, I mean their their opening day starter was Chris Sale, Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber was their opening day. Starter? Corey Kluber My was word. their opening starter, and Chris Sale, he, who had finally his first good start in a couple uh, probably years. Uh, Chris Sale had a good start last week, but uh, no, they don't have the pitching. I mean, they have Kenley Jansen in the bullpen now, but Ugh. no no one else that's really notable. Um, and, uh, you know, they had Duvall, uh, who came over from the Braves, who was hitting really well, and then he got hurt. So uh, it, should be, it should be a rough year for them, which I'll enjoy very much. Uh, the biggest dumpster fire in baseball is the American League Central. That is the Twins leading that one 11-7, a game and a half above the Guardians. Then it goes Tigers at 7-10, uh, White Sox at 7-12, and 12, and the Royals at 4-15 and 15, with a negative 51 run differential, the second highest in baseball. Yeah, I mean the the Twins are good. I mean the, this should be their division. Cleveland's okay. Chicago, I thought they, I Chicago's think, gonna let down. I mean they have way too much talent on that exactly. team to be this bad. Um, That's what I've been saying for a long time. They were my pick to make it to the World Series last year. Yeah, they they should be better than they are, and they have the payroll to match it. I know losing Jose Abreu was is is a big loss for them, but um, the Twins are good. I mean Correa being back is good. They've got some pitching. Uh, they got Pablo Lopez over from the Marlins who shoved. Uh, Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Uh, Sonny Gray's been good for them. I mean, they're. I'd be pretty surprised they didn't win that win that division. Um, I will think that Cleveland will keep it close, though. Cleveland should keep it close. I I do think they'll have two playoff teams between the two of them. I think one of them will sneak into the third wild card spot. Um, and I I think either one of those teams could win a playoff series. I think yeah, I think they could. I think it's coming. I feel like the East will take up most of the wild cards and. In the AL, but yeah, I think if one of them could get in, I think they could take a couple games. Uh, in the West now, it's the Texas Rangers having a 12 and six record, three games above the Angels, and then three and a half above the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, nine and ten. The Mariners, after a great season last year, are starting at eight and eleven. And then the worst team in baseball, record wise and run differential wise, is the Oakland Athletics, nine and a half back, minus 86 run differential. And last night, the news drops that. Oakland will be moving to Las Vegas pending, I think, a league vote after they have secured the land in an agreement to go to Las Vegas, and Oakland has ceased talks with them on a contract. So the Oakland, California, I tweeted this out last night, Oakland, California, keep your professional sports teams challenge impossible. Yeah, I mean, they're in the non, non-Dan Snyder division, probably the worst owner in sports. He refuses to spend money on players, and now he's going to move him to Vegas, which you know is probably ultimately good for the league, good for the team, and they'll make more money. But they they have fans. I mean, it's not like Oakland doesn't have a passionate fan base. You know, in some area, like I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays 
are very good and they can't get people to go to those games, Oakland has people going to the game still, even as horrendous as they are. So I feel I feel bad for those fans, but this is, you know, I think I think Vegas is going to end up with a team probably in all four professional sports, you know, fairly soon. I mean, it just I think it also is to say that just Oakland's just not investing in their team some because you can't lose both the Warriors, uh, the Raiders, and now the Athletics. Yeah, they're gone. I mean, they had they had three of the four, and now they're going to have o you know Ofer for in a couple years. So they're you know clearly that's not a priority for them, which is unfortunate for that city. Um, and it's to Vegas's benefit and and the league. You know, Adam Silver and. Roger Goodell and Rob Manfred are enjoying every second of it because that market is just so much money for them. Put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame if you're going to have a team in in, in Las Vegas. It's no, time. Che- no cheaters. It's done. If you let if you let Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, you have to let A Rod in the Hall of Fame. You have to let Shoeless Joe in. I think Shoeless Joe, I think I think should be it. Yeah. Um, moving on now to the National League, it is the Atlanta Braves holding a 14 and five record, two games above the New York Mets with Scherzer going out. Yesterday, after being ejected for what he says was sweat and Ross, and he sweared on his kids' lives. So, I'm not. I, th- I think it take a lot for him to lie on his kids like that. So, I'm gonna take his word for it on this one, even though according to some sports analysts out there, it should be an automatic 80 game suspension. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is just classic New York match cheating. I mean, of all the New York franchises, they're the they're the low level cheats and. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very grateful to Ron Manfred that he's going to clean up the sport like this. This <laughs> is, I mean, this is a massive issue that everyone cares about. To have you cannot have any sticky substance on your hands. So this is, you know, really cleaning up America's pastime. So shout out Rob Manfred. Marlins are still over 500. They're 10 and nine. Last year's National League pennant winners, the Philadelphia Phillies, eight and 11. Nationals are five and 13. I mean, I know the Phillies are without Bryce Harper, but they should be better than eight and 11. Well, they're without Harper and Hoskins got hurt in spring yeah, training. Yeah, true. But the issue is they they have the same issues they did last year. They just were hitting so well that it got papered over. They don't have a good bullpen, mm-hmm. and they cannot play defense. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had a three-game series at Yankee Stadium, and, I mean, errors, sloppiness, guys coming out of the bullpen walking three guys. They're, they, they have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, but they're not very good. Yeah. Quickly through the Central, the Brewers hold a 14-5 and record, two games above the Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates have played two more games than the Cubs. Cubs 11-6. and That's sneaky, not bad, Connor. 7-3 and in their last 10. Yeah, the well, they're going to wait, I think, till maybe June or early July for their uh, implosion. Oh, yeah, that's the Cubs method. I mean, last, yeah. I mean, we win one game. We, I love when we always win one. We always win on opening day, which is great because that's like the only like game I'll watch fully. Because I just don't have MLB TV. And now, yeah, the implosion will happen in June, July. And then the Pirates, I mean, I can't see them. I mean, the Cardinals are 8-11 and 11 right now, so I don't think that'll hold for a lot longer. No, I, I would assume that the Cardinals and Cubs will flip. But uh, yeah. the Reds. Cubs, Cubs securing Ian Happ, was a, that's, a big, that's a big move. Now, if the Cubs are here in June and July, I think we have to make a run. Maybe uh, there's, a, uh, there's a pitcher hitter in the American League West that I would really, really love, and there have been links to talk, so that'd be really cool to get. There's a there's another pitcher hitter uh, in the American League East. You're welcome to have for free. His name is Isaiah Connor Falefa. <laughs> he uh, pitched a scoreless inning uh, last week against the Twins. He's the lowest ERA in baseball. Nice. You can you can have him for um, a pack of Wrigley gum. I'd rather see him on the Braves for obvious reasons. I agree for yeah. sure. Uh, and then finally, then the American League and the NL West. Surprisingly, everyone still is the Diamondbacks, 11 and eight. They're the only team over 500 in the American League West. Dodgers are nine and ten. Padres are nine eleven. San Francisco Giants six and eleven, and the Rockies are five and fourteen. 
Yeah, I think the mo- I think that I mean just as shocking as the Diamondbacks being on top of this division is the Padres being below 500 with mm-hmm. with their salary and whatever. But uh, the Diamondbacks in first place just DFA'd Mad Bum, which is that's an interesting. I mean, that's a bold move there, Cotton. Let's see if it pays he's, off. He struggled. Uh, that typically, you know, would I feel like a phantom IL stint, maybe you know, elbow soreness mm-hmm. get him right. But my, the DFA him outright is my is brain crazy. when I hear that they're releasing the best player, best postseason performer of all time for one season. Yeah, um, <laughs> I had to throw that sound effect in there. Yeah, I that's that's a that's a bold move. That I is think. a bold move. I think a I think Madbum will get picked up by somebody willing to give him a chance. Thinks they can get him right on on a cheap contract, but. Uh, I mean, I guess this is a win now move. If you're just going to eat the the salary, thirty four million to pay him to go play somewhere else, I'm not sure if there's any other there is any other story there. But I I do think eventually yeah. San Diego and, and L A will take care of this division. Yeah, um, that is going to do it for our baseball talk. When we come back. The NFL draft is next week. It's a really special time for me. Connor will try to get me mad. We'll see how mad he can get me. Coming back from the break, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle ninety one point one FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest. Greg Blankenberg alongside Connor Greenberg still here. We've talked about a lot of sports today. Now it's time to get into the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft is one week from today, Thursday, April 27th, 8 p.m. on ESPN and ABC and as well the NFL Network, I believe, in Kansas City where the Panthers will have the number one overall pick after trading with the Chicago Bears back in March. Panthers are on the clock and it has come down to the wire, but it is looking it's looking like sweet home Alabama for the Carolina Panthers, with most people now switching to Bryce Young to be the number one overall selection in the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm, uh, for, for Griggs' sake as a Panthers fan, I'm still holding out hope that they'll take AR-15. I mean, he's clearly the best prospect <laughs> in the draft. Such a safe bet at number one. Oh, um, please no. I would, I would go Stroud. I mean, I know, I know we're Auburn students, so uh, you know there's going to be some shade. I, I just think. Listen here, no, I don't, I don't care. You look at what Stroud did in the play in the playoff against Georgia. It seems he's got the frame. I mean, you just worry with Bryce. Look how Tua's gotten beat up. Um, but I also think Stroud's got a better arm, and he he makes a lot of better decisions. I mean, Bryce with that O line still took a lot of hits, a lot of sacks. I think what they're looking for in Bryce though is just. That that mobile Justin Fields with a better arm, which I'd say he's yeah, Justin I mean, Fields I don't, with a better I don't arm. Think, I don't think you can go wrong between the two. I think they're both going to be very good NFL quarterbacks. I just think, for me personally, it's Stroud by hair. But, I mean, I, I think, you know, Scott Fitterer or whatever is, uh, should really whittle it down. Frank Reich should whittle it down between Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, and AR-15. Lies. Slander. Um, but, I mean – Again, I I do when I look at Bryce Young, I do see a, he's really good. He, I mean, I, denying anything he did at Alabama would be criminal. Like now that the the Panthers are my number one team, like if we could draft Alabama's best player in a long in a while, I do not care if they can help the Panthers win. That's the home team. That's who I'm going for. So, with I'm not going to say that saying, but I'm I'm just glad his development at Alabama will pr- protect him in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers. And but if he goes to Houston, then I'll flip the switch and be like, yeah. But I do see him as being a uh, Justin Fields type of quarterback with a better arm, I think, especially with the amount that uh, Carolina has invested in the O-line these past couple of years with a new left tackle in Ike Aguamu and just building up that O-line a little bit more. He has some he has some sneaky, not bad receiving corps now with uh, uh, DJ Chark, uh, Adam Thielen, uh, we've Hayden Hurst as the tight end. It's been since Greg Olson for so five years since we've had a good tight end. <laughs> and 
I still don't know who's going to be the running back, but I think it'll be um, Miles Sanders, right? Miles Sanders, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, Miles but, Sanders. I mean, that's a listen. You're, uh, I think Carolina's done it the right way, where you you build around and then you make your move to go get your quarterback. Um, and they didn't hesitate. They pounced on the opportunity. Yeah, they probably paid a little bit more than. I mean, I'd much rather them give up because they were either wanting uh, another f- a first round pick, to Chicago, or um, a comp- either one of uh, DJ um, DJ Moore, uh, Derek Brown, or um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, I mean, I'm not a Panthers fan. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Oh my gosh! Was it the, was it the linebacker? Yes, I don't know why I'm blanking. Shaq Thompson? No, not Shaq Thompson. Oh my gosh! I can't believe I'm messing up his name right now. I'm casual. not casual fan. I am a casual. Oh no! I'm having to look up the, the names right now, before, so I don't um, lose but my I, mind. But I think that that's the better move, even than going to get like Lamar or when. Uh, Brian Burns, yes, absolutely yeah, not. Brian no, Burns. Brian Burns. People were wanting him this offseason. Yeah, I'm I mean like, the Rams not. offered two first round picks for him. Absolutely not. He's worth two wait, more um, two round first. Round so picks. you know they've they've done a good enough job. There's a there's a foundation there. I mean I don't I don't think anyone's gonna have the Panthers making a, a Super Bowl run this year. But, no, I'd be really surprised. But take the right quarterback, develop him, give him a year. I mean, I know Frank Reich at the end in Indianapolis wasn't great, but he is a bit of a quarterback whisperer. You have to also remember with Frank Reich, he had Matt Ryan. Yeah, he did a, he did a good job in Philadelphia with a young Wentz. He made, he made Carson Wentz look like a potential MVP and a competent quarterback, which after watching him for wasn't the last year. Wasn't that Doug year, Peterson? Well, uh, Frank Reich was his OC. Yeah. But then again, I mean, Bryce Young is now minus twelve hundred according to Vegas, and then Stroud it's plus eight hundred. I mean, I'm fine with either of those two. Just you not, don't not, take not that, Anthony Richardson. You don't take that risk at one with Anthony Richardson. I just cannot see it, especially with a quarterback. I've brought this up so many times. I brought this up on Charlotte Sports Radio the second the Panthers got Willows. I uh, we got the number one pick. I hopped in my car, turned on the radio, called WFNZ ninety two point seven in Charlotte. I was the first caller they had after this. I'm like, listen, it's either. I think at the time I was going Bryce mainly. I was like, you got to take Bryce, maybe Stroud. You cannot risk a first rounder on a guy who couldn't even beat Vanderbilt. Yeah, and I know, I know, people have floated to the idea of the Panthers going back to two. I think Mel Kiper had talked about that. I mean, if if the Panthers are sold on both, I think you could pick do up that. pick up an extra asset if because I think Houston wants Bryce. I think they're leaning towards Bryce too, but then again, Mills Mafia, baby. I mean. Davis Mills is not not the quarterback of the future, unfortunately. He is. He did you not. Can't, you can't trust a Stanford quarterback to not suddenly retire either. I mean, wow, Colts fans are mad right now. Um, <laughs> let's move on for the Panthers. But then also with Derek Brown, one more thing. He earned his contract this year. This was a contract year for him last year where everyone's like, I don't know, do we use the right thing when he went like seventh or ninth? I can't remember. The he perennial was, Panthers. He was seven. He, the, did, he, the, he had a great year. I mean, great. he was a, I think he was always a guy that was going to take a little bit to develop just because yeah. he's such a physical freak. Exactly. But, uh, He's a stud. Yeah, um, you... I'm trying to think right now. I, I could potentially see. I'm trying to think of teams who could trade up to the top. I mean, because I think Arizona's going to move that three pick. Yeah, it would be egregious for Arizona to hold on to that spot. I think Indianapolis could take that spot. Um, Vegas, if they want. Now, if you're Indy, I don't think you move up to three unless there's someone else who you're worried about taking a quarterback that you. Yeah, want. that's the thing. Is so if if Carolina and Houston both go quarterback, you got to go to three to get your guy. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals were like Will Anderson, but the Cardinals because they signed Kyler Murray for this much, you can get a bunch of picks for that. I mean, well, and Kyler Murray's not going to play; he's got an AC, he tore his ACL, so this is a wash year for them anyway. Take back. I think he could be back. I mean, he could be back at some point mid season, but they got a first year coach. Like this is not this is not a win now year for them. Trade think- back, collect your assets, and get a bunch. Of, I mean, they have they've got some real issues on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think the Titans could take that pick potentially? I absolutely think the Titans could take that back to back years drafting a quarterback. I mean, if you're Malik Willis right now, you got to be feeling pretty down on yourself 
Well, I think the Titans want to get rid of Tannehill too. That he might yeah. be, he might be a camp. I mean, cut. Josh Dobbs started the playoff game for them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Tennessee's Tennessee and Vegas potentially could. Um, if a quarterback starts to slip, would not be surprised to see the Washington Commanders trade up. Here's an interesting thought for a team that could trade up potentially. What about Green Bay? How confident are they in Jordan Love? They're probably more confident than they should be. I mean, in his limited time. And the other thing, too, is is that trade going to get official before the draft? That's what I'm wondering because I don't think it's going to be official before the draft. Because where are the Jets sitting? They're 13, right? Yeah. So if, if Green Bay gets that pick, that's a that's some ammo to move up to three or potentially you know later if they, they see a guy – I don't. I mean, I don't think you take Anthony Richardson or Levis, who are probably both a quarterback project for a year. With Love, I think you could probably give Love a chance, and if he stinks, you're probably going to have that pick, a good pick anyway. Um, but but if you're going to go all in, now is the time to do it because the price to get up next year for Caleb Williams and Drake May is going to be oh, expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be probably more than what RG three went for, which was which is, three ones, which, two twos, and a player. Which is what my brain is thinking about like a team that I think could potentially sneaky trade up this year but maybe smart enough to hold back is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah There's, they're they're rolling with Baker but I, I I do think I forgot about Baker I was gonna say Kyle um it's Kyle or Trask. or Trask because they have Blaine Gabbert's now a Kansas City Chief yeah I mean they're they're gonna roll with that and and the crazy thing is with it now that division is so bad watch it, it. it's you know no no offense we're gonna win that division it I I mean it's probably the Saints division to lose with Derek Carr but but right, Tampa Bay the right, the right hook of uh, if Alvin Kamara says otherwise, yeah we'll uh, we'll see if he's eligible to play and then uh, Michael Thomas will be out after three weeks. Yeah, he'll he'll have a t- turf toe and and miss the whole year. Um, I think Tampa Bay's got a shot at that division unless Devin White gets traded. That that is a is a situation. I don't think the Falcons got a chance in the world, especially with. Their starting quarterback this year is going to be Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Yeah, no, they're no, absolutely not. No. They they made some good moves on the defensive side of the ball. I like what they did in free agency, getting bringing in Jesse Bates. But yeah, uh, it, they're they're a year away. Love sure. Jesse Bates. I'm I'm mad that he went to Atlanta though, because I'm like you were on a team that was going fighting for AFC championships every year. Now you're going to the I mean, Falcons. Everyone's got to pay the bills. My question is another team looking at the NFL draft is, do the Lions roll with Jared Goff? I mean, it, it, Dan Campbell certainly seems to think that he's the guy. But that's a team I could see going after Richardson, someone that is a project can develop, sit on the bench for a year. Yeah, um, I could potentially see. But they were they were a game away from the playoffs last year. I know. I think, and and, and, and they Jared need Goff, they need help on defense. Jared need, Goff has playoff experience. Super Jared Bowl. Jared Goff, I think two years ago, you're like, there's no way he's a quarterback, but he played well last year. Um, I know they lost. I believe they lost Jamal Williams. They brought in someone to replace him. I can't remember who. They traded uh, Jeff Okuda. They did trade Jeff Okuda. Wild. Yeah. Like their fourth overall pick for like a fourth rounder is insane. Yeah. The top three of that draft was Burrow, Chase Young, and Okuda, and Chase Young might get traded too. So that uh, the Ohio Do you want Chase Young to be traded? I do not want Chase Young to be okay. traded. I'd want I want to give him a year to be healthy. Um I'm not gonna but, have it on FedEx Field. Hey. Josh Harris, build me a new stadium, please. It's definitely not gonna happen this year though. No, we're that's five years away. But yeah. The 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 commanders are winning the Super Bowl the second that trade gets finalized. Or the sale gets finalized. So, do you, who do you think the third quarterback taken is going to be? Is it going to be Levis or is it going to be AR, uh, AR-15? I think it's going to be Richardson. And I actually, based on a lot of smoke coming out, I think there's a chance Hendon Hooker goes before Levis. Um, hmm. I think uh, I think Peter Schrager was talking. Peter Schrager had five quarterbacks in the top 12, which I think is a little egregious. 
but uh, it certainly sounds like there's smoke Hendon Hooker could go in the first round, maybe even late, um, so that they could get the fifth-year option like the Ravens did with Lamar, which uh, clearly is working out so well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I think a lot of teams are holding on to like their picks right now because they don't want to trade for Lamar right now. If the teams are interested, like the Commanders, the um, like the Falcons and stuff, they're holding out because they don't want to lose their assets for this year to try to lure him in. Yeah, I mean, the, Atlanta is the most uh, – probably the perfect landing spot for him. I could see him going to ending up in Carolina as well if they didn't trade uh, trade the number one yeah. pick. But but they made that decision already. I I forgot the uh, the Dolphins forfeited their first over, first and tampering. Pick. Yeah, tampering with uh, with Sean Payton and which, Tom Brady. How did that work Brady. out for them? Yeah, I was gonna say they got neither and lost a first round pick. So uh, not not exactly great business by uh, Stephen Ross down there. Yeah, but I'm excited for the NFL draft. This is the most anticipated draft I've had since, of course, the infamous 2011 draft, where we drafted a quarterback out of Auburn. Yeah, I think this is probably the just in terms of like the week before the draft, we really don't know what's going to happen, which makes it a lot more fun for the viewer. Uh, you got to stay off Twitter, avoid the spoilers, but it seems like most of the recent years we've kind of known what's going, what's at least the top five picks and who's going where. Um, that has not happened in a while. I think probably Eric Fisher is the last draft where we didn't know the number one pick. So Yeah. That is going to do it for our talk on the NFL draft. When we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit about the world of golf. So do not go anywhere. Second to last segment of the show is coming up. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Wheagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. So far in the second segment, we've talked about the MLB and the NFL draft. Now it's time to talk about the world of golf. This week, it is the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. That is, if you do not recall, the duo matchup where I think is it best ball uh, I can't remember I think it's best ball yes best ball tournament between pros teaming up with each other so right now currently in first place is uh, I think Keith Mitchell and uh, Sung J.M. aka J.M. 10 under through 17 tied for second is Sam Ryder and D. Redman I Doc Redman Doc Redman I wish they had the full names on this and then, of course, Matt Fitzpatrick and his brother Alex Fitzpatrick, minus nine through sixteen holes. What a duo that these two brothers are! Incredible teammates. I think they could win the whole thing, and I'm cheering for them to win the whole thing. Yeah, pretty cool to, to have the family affair. You know, it's uh, this is this is our one uh, one week where we get a, a hint of what live golf is with the teams. So uh, this is always a cool event. The fan favorite Max Homa and Colin Morikawa, minus four through sixty one. Holes, so that's going to be an interesting one, especially with if they. I think that they got up to five or six under, maybe seven under. They could potentially be in contention this week. They just this playing like a pretty easy course so far, at least for the top people. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you'll see some crazy low numbers just because you get two shots at it. Mm-hmm. Um, rare to see a lot of bogeys, but they have. It seems like it looks like they bogeyed one and they bogeyed seventeen. Uh, so not exactly the start they were looking for. Yeah, a lot of a lot of buries happening. This weekend, I mean, they uh, Keith Mitchell and uh, Sanjay M had a uh, eagle on seven, so that's why they're in the lead right now. But it's I think golf has picked up a lot of momentum. I think, especially from people like me, I think I've picked up golf a lot more since I've been in college. Me and Daniel talked about it as well. Yeah, they've done they've done a good job. I think it's it's almost sounds a little backwards, but the live drama has forced a lot of people back into it because they picked one side or the other and. Uh, and then once you pick, you kind of are super engaged. Um, but they've had they've had a great run. The heritage was great last week, going out of the playoff. 
obviously a good Masters week, and even even some of the negative storylines like uh, you know Cantley being the slowest player in the world. It just gets people talking about golf, which is is good for the sport. It's okay when he's near the last group, though, so we can't slow up everyone. Yeah, he's the, he's the defending champion this week with uh, him and Xander Shoffley. Yeah, so last week, according to Dan Rapport of Barstool, it was the highest compelling finish with the reigning U.S. champion, Matt, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, being fan favorite Jordan Spieth. Um, but it had the final round of the Heritage drew 4.15 million viewers, making it the highest viewed final round broadcast outside of the Masters, which had its highest ratings since 2018, up 11% over last year. If you do not recall, that was Spieth beating Patrick Hanley. In a playoff, so golf is definitely in good hands. With last week, again, Jordan Spieth, Matt Fitzpatrick in the playoff. Jordan Spieth had two chances to win. Both putts didn't go on 18 and 17. When they played 18 again, Matt Fitzpatrick had one of the best second shots I've ever seen in my life. Puts his nine iron within three, four feet of the hole, gets gets it in there, and he is now a two-time tour winner. Yeah, that was... uh... That that shot on on the 18, the second time on that third playoff hole was ridiculous. I mean, he uh, it's almost reminiscent to the, uh, the U.S. Open that just a shot where your jaw hits the ground that that bunker shot on 18 to clear the clear the uh, clear the front green bunker, stick it, and have a two putt to uh, to win and beat Zalatoris at, in uh, at Brookline. But uh, you know, he's he seems certainly like the the guy poised to become. You know, maybe. You know, of uh, join that big three of of Sh- Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and Rory. I mean, Spieth is obviously up there, Justin Thomas, but Fitzpatrick is 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 a darn good golfer. You had to throw in that thing about Wazeltoris, didn't you? Oh, why? What happened? I don't want to talk. They talked about it enough on full swing. I don't want to talk about it now. Listen, I was rooting for Willie Z. I'm devastated that he's going to miss the Ryder Cup, but you got to give credit where credit's due. That was. That match with Patrick shot at Brookline was one of the greatest golf shots I've ever seen. I was celebrating. I was so it's full swing in tournaments like this would really grind my gears where they're like they only focus on that part. Along with Matt Fitzpatrick. Do you know Matt Fitzpatrick used to have a vacation at Hilton Head all the time? Did you know that? I did not know that. Well they talked about it about ninety times on the broadcast on Sunday. Yeah, I listened to it on mute, but uh You listen to golf on mute? No, I listened to that on mute. Oh. I I would never consistently disrespect Jim Nance by having him on mute, but I had also Trevor Ailman is very good. Yeah, I like him more than Cernick. Um, but Hilton Head, I'm I'm so glad that they made that a designated event because that's such a beautiful course. Hilton it is. Head, I've Hilton been Head's there. Gorgeous, it's gorgeous, and uh, that's a great tournament. That now you're going to get some of the best players to play uh, more often. It, it raises the stakes a little bit. But, I mean, last two finishes, two playoffs, pretty electric golf, and. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that. That's a great tournament, especially to keep now that that you know can kind of keep some of the, the momentum uh, after the Masters. Yeah, yeah, that Masters momentum will be was very seen a lot for this tournament, with just the way that things kind of finished out at the end. So, it's gonna be interesting to see if they can keep this one. Um, the golf, like, how do I describe it? The golf. Um, Kind enthusiasm. Of yes, exactly. That's what I was talking about. I think one of the one of the best things they did that helps that is they moved the PGA, and now the PGA oh, is absolutely. in between the Masters and, and the U.S. Oh, Open. One hundred. That was that was a one hundred percent because now the PGA being like in the middle of the May, you know, college students are just getting off school. It's a great tournament, and uh, typically that's the one where you see like a lot of first time guys break through. Um, and that's that's just that was. 
genius uh, marketing. Coming movement. from someone who went to five of the seven days of the 2017 PGA Championship in Charlotte in in August, which is the most humid tournament I have ever been to. I went to every day, I think Tuesday and Saturday. Rained a lot in the mornings on each day. And by the end, Quail Hollow was the hottest place on the face of the earth. It was unbelievable. I'm so glad they moved it up, especially because, yeah, it it does make the majors kind of congested all now a little bit more where it goes Masters in April. Um, we'll see the PGA in May, and then June will be U.S., and then July will be um, the Open, yep. where in the past there have just been – I, I like I think that keeps good for the golf momentum in the summer, especially because it goes four majors in four months. Yeah, and it's like about about a month spread out. Like it's typically in like the middle, and then a month after the British Open, the FedEx Cup, and so it lets the FedEx Cup shine because that's such a great event that for mm-hmm. a long time got overshadowed. Yeah, especially with like I know Tiger won't be in it now. It's gonna be interesting to see how the golf numbers for those majors still keep up, especially with like some of the live players also because the live people made Masters very interesting as well because like. They had some chances. I mean, you could throw in the Brooks fifty-four holes joke all you want with that, but yeah, and I think it the majors, especially with that being really your only opportunity to watch live players, unless you're tuning into the CW. I, I know I'm not. I know I'm not either. I'm not a I'm not a big four aces guy. Uh, but you know, if you grew up liking Phil or you grew up listening or watching and liking Brooks Kepka, like this is your opportunity to watch them. And, uh, you know, it certainly will bring back that audience again of like, oh, you know, there's Cam Smith. I remember him. Or there's Sergio Garcia. I remember him. I don't want to remember Sergio Garcia. I don't either. I did. I was very unhappy that he won the uh, the Masters. And then use golf facts. <laughs> yeah. Do you see they, they, it was finally found out that was Patrick uh, Reed's wife officially? Yeah, that is amazing. I, I Patrick Reed is one of the worst people in professional sports. Don't sue us, please. Please don't. Yeah, please don't sue me. Sorry. And uh, especially not on Christmas Eve. Yeah, uh, that's wild. Now, that and the fact that Tiger avoided it for that long was awesome. The fact that, like, uh, it's you have so to look up that story. It's so ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, again, last week you had those big names. I mean, Matt Fitzpatrick, Jordan Spieth in three playoff holes. That's a ratings dream where everyone's tuning in because that's a great course and a great, like, thing up. So that's the RBC. And then um, coming up next, the Xerox Classics this week, the Mexico opens next week with John Rahm won last week. And then we go back to Quail Hollow for the first time for the Wells Fargo Championship to be in Quail Hollow since 2021, where it was Max Homa who took home the win. And then the next year, the Wells Fargo was in, I believe, I can't remember where it was, because it was not in Charlotte, because they had the President's Cup, which ended up being better than a lot of people thought. Yeah, the President's Cup is... Sometimes I feel like going into it, everyone's like, "Oh, it's lame, it's lame," and then you end up watching it, and it's cool anyway. It was the TPC Potomac in Potomac, Maryland, where Max uh, Homa yeah. beat Matt Fitzpatrick by two strokes. But I mean, I love I love the Wills. I mean, I'll probably go to a couple days, so it's just I'm glad it's back because the Presidents Cup last year. I mean, I know when I went to Quail Hall after in like the sports business thing I was doing, it was I think 2018, the summer 2018. So after they host the PGA, they talked all about this, and they're like. We're looking at the Presidents Cup now. It's a big thing. We're looking forward to it. And then all the live stuff drops. And then they're like, how is this international team going to be competitive? Yeah, and they really weren't. I mean – They were. They made it more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. it'll. It's going to be really interesting to see when – especially that stuff plays out in the Ryder Cup. Because the Presidents Cup is run by the PGA. So there's that, but right. not the Ryder Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see with Zach Johnson yeah. running the um, 
Team USA, how they're going to do with that. Because if Brooks Kepka plays like he did in the I mean, Masters, you can't deny him that spot. I mean, if Phil Mickelson played like he did at the Masters, is he worthy of a captain's pick? I mean, he was the he, – what, him and Brooks tied for the highest finishing Americans? I guess, yeah. So there's there's some conversations we had because – they can't qualify. Oh, the live guys, I don't think, can qualify through the rank for the regular rankings points. They, I think, they qualify through like the majors finishes. Yeah, but they're not going to have enough points. And then you look at, I mean, there's a, I mean, Brooks. Brooks is the main guy. Deshambo has been playing so poorly. I can't imagine he'll make that roster. Um, but I, I do think having the captains that have been loyal to the PGA Tour, you're going to see them show some loyalty to the PGA guys. I mean, if. If Brooks has another finish like he did in the Masters at the U.S. and then the or the the, the PGA and or the U.S., I don't think you can deny him can deny him that spot for the late the late August. I think that's when the Red Cup is. I want to say it's September. I know it's in Rome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if if you've got American guys that are dominating at majors and have historically played in the Ryder Cup, regardless it'll, of what tour, it'll be September 29th through October 1st in um in you said Rome, yeah, and it will be. Luke Donald's the captain for Europe, and Zach Johnson, former Masters winner, will be the captain for the Team USA. Well, and since it's only three days, too, the live guys are going to have an advantage. <laughs> that That is true. That is very true. So, a lot of going on in the world of golf. I know me and Connor are starting to get back into playing a little bit more, even though I played yesterday. It was I started off great. I was hitting my drives great and putting decent, and then it just got – I think who I was playing with, Joey, just tried to help me a little bit too much during the course of my play, where some of his stuff helped. And I saw that in the first hole, but then I just started to get too much in my head. Yeah, right now I'm at the point where uh, got sh- still shaking the rust off, and a scramble or, or best ball is the, the most fun way because when you shank a shot, you can still end up in the fairway. That is, hey, I ended up in the fairway, which is the eighth fairway. Hey, not the first. That that's a tough course because the the fairways are all they're skinny and they're all back to back. Yeah, it could be, it's like you're playing. I'm like at St Andrews where everything's connected. Yeah, yeah. But that is going to do it for our talk on golf. When we come back, it's everyone's favorite segment. It's who you got. Me and Connor will give our picks. I'll also give out Daniel's picks he gave to me before the show. So do not go anywhere. Last segment of the show is coming up. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Last out last segment of the show. Once again, you're hanging out with Griggs Blankenberg and Connor Greenberg. So far, we've talked about everything from the world of sports, from soccer to Auburn basketball to golf to on the baseball diamond. But now it's finally time to talk about the our picks for the weekend. It's who you got. So last week, Daniel went five and five. I went four and six. So our standings are now 60 and 50, 64, 46, with I think one week to go. I think last next week will be our last show. I think with doing picks wise, because we can't count the other ones. So that would mean I would take Potentially, this could come down to the wire, so it's going to be interesting to see how this week goes. But let's just go ahead and get it started. I'll read off Daniel's picks, and Connor will read off his picks as well. Starting off in the NBA, these are all the game threes for this week. We're doing all eight. It is Bucks at the Heat. The current series is 1 1. It's going to be interesting to see if Giannis comes back. Daniel's got the Bucks, but Connor, who you got? I'm going Bucks. I'm going to go the Bucks as well. I think it will matter if uh, Giannis is back, but they won without Giannis the other day, so I think that could be they could still beat them, with, especially being even though they're on the road now. Yeah, Bucks. The with how impressive they looked last night or uh, two nights ago, I'm I'm fairly confident they'll be able to win at least another game without Giannis. Moving on to Atlanta at State Farm Arena, I think I can't remember what day it is, but it is the Celtics at Atlanta. Atlanta needing this one badly to avoid a three-zero. Daniel's got the C's. Connor, you got. It gives me no pleasure to pick 
the Celtics, but I it, there's yeah there's there's this series is so not competitive. My brain says the Celtics, and that's who I'm going to go with because everyone's brain should really be saying the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I mean that one that's got to be the one of the weirdest runs ever in the playoffs where the Hawks just went on a run back in 2021, made to the Eastern Conference Finals and all that. Yeah, I, I mean they got they got lucky and uh, they were the beneficiary of Ben Simmons refusing to shoot a layup. Uh, <laughs> that's but, true. And then but the, they're they're not good. Yeah. Uh, 76ers at Brooklyn. Speaking of series that are, are not good, that moves to Brooklyn 2-0 in favor of the 76ers. Daniel's got the 76ers. Connor, who you got? I actually I think I'm going to go the Nets. I mm. think the Nets. I think the Nets have enough fight to not make this a three nothing. But I'll I'll go Nets and Sixers in five. I'm gonna go 76ers in this one. I just. I mean, I could see Brooklyn keeping this one competitive, but the way that Embiid just didn't play that well in the first game, kind of research in the game two, I just think the 76ers have got this one, especially with the lack of depth. I mean, someone made the joke, I think I'm part of my take the other day, where it's like, dang, man, the Nets are just a superstar two away from being good. I don't know what's wrong with them. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> uh, so I got the 76ers. Moving on to the Mecca, it is the Cavs at the Knicks in a 1-1 series. Cavs, Knicks moves to the Garden. Connor, who you got? I am going to go with Donovan Mitchell in his hometown revenge game. Mm. Daniel has the Cavaliers as well. I'm going to go with the Knicks. I think the Knicks will at least win one at the Garden. It'll be this one or game four. I think they'll be game three. And then the Cavs will win game four and take it back to Cleveland, which is, I don't like how the baseball or how NBA does it. They'll go 2 2 1 1 1. Yeah, I like 2 3 2. I, exactly. I like the way they do it in baseball too. 2 3 2 is the best, I think. Especially though, because that means the NBA just drags, drags it out so much longer than it has to yeah, be. Yeah, all the extra travel days. Yeah, it will be like three stuff. games. It, I don't mind it as much in the first round because there's enough basketball to fill in the, ga- the days. But when he wants to get to like the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, I'll be finals. working out of the gym this summer. They'll talk about the same finals matchup for yeah. like three days yeah. in a row before they play. I'm like, just play the game. Um, yeah, I got the Knicks. Moving on now to uh, Minnesota. It is the Denver Nuggets taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in a 2-0 series in favor of the Nuggets. Connor, who you got? Uh, could be competitive, but I'm going to go the Nuggets. Daniel's got the Wolves. I'm going to go the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets will take care of business in this one. It's looking like it's going to be four games. Yeah, I think maybe, I mean, a chance the T-Wolves grab one. If they do, it'll be game three, I think. But uh, I don't think they have enough enough firepower on defense to, mm-hmm. to stop them. Next up is the Grizzlies at the Lakers. Donovan, uh, John Morant is still, I'm pretty sure, questionable for this one. So we're not sure if he's going to play. I think that's what I heard. But it is a 1-1 series going back to Crypto.com Arena. Daniel's got the Lakers. But, Connor, who you got? This is a tough one, mainly because you don't know Jaw's status. I do think the Lakers, especially if Morant is out, are going to win at home. the The Crypto Arena should be should be a tough atmosphere, and uh, yeah, I think I I give it just a hair edge to the Lakers in that one. I'm going to go with the Grizzlies, even though I think LeBron will. Ha- even though Dylan Brooks said that about LeBron, I think LeBron might have a unbelievable game. Yeah, but, I mean, surely, surely LeBron's not going to tolerate slander from Dylan Brooks. Yeah, but I had the Grizzlies even before I forgot about that slander. But yeah, I'm going with the Grizzlies. Moving on now, back still keeping it in the uh, Sun, um, the Golden State that the Golden State Warriors taking on the Sacramento Kings. The Warriors down 2-0 to the Kings, but they're back at home where they've been one of the best teams in basketball this year. Daniel's got the Warriors. Connor, who you got? If Draymond was playing, I would go the Warriors, but I think his suspension means I'm going to go Sacramento, but Golden State will win games four and five. Lighten the beam. I'm not. I'm going to go the Warriors. I just think they're too dominant at home. Even without Draymond, 
I think they play so much better at home, and I think if they can take two the two games at home right here, I think they can even the series back up if it goes back to Sacramento. Um, next up, final game for the NBA. It is the Suns at the Clippers. This one is a 1-1 game in favor of the uh, in favor of no one. Uh, they go back to Crypto.com Arena as well on I believe it's Saturday. Suns at the Clippers. Dana's got the Suns. Connor, you got uh, this game's tonight. So they tonight, don't they yeah. don't get any extra days off. I'm picking the Phoenix Suns. We have Kevin Durant. We have Devin Booker. They don't have Paul George. We have the point guard himself, Chris Paul. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Suns as well. I think they can do this one. I think, especially if they leave, if they could take two games in the Clippers here, I think it's good for them. I we just got they just have to win one. They have to, to flip home exactly. Home court yeah. back. I think you'd rather think, have this one win this one than have that like kind of nerve yeah. before going because you're definitely you're going to go back to Phoenix no matter what. But yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, uh, we played them in the Western Conference Finals in uh, to make to make the NBA Finals to beat Milwaukee. They tied at one one in Phoenix. We won both games in LA, and they came back and won Game Five. So I think I think this series could follow a similar pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going with the Suns as well. Uh, moving into the NHL for our last two, Connor doesn't know too much about it, but it's the Bruins at the Panthers. Bruins, the best regular season team on paper of all time. They've dropped one to the Panthers last night, but this game will be coming up, I think, on Friday or Saturday. I can't remember. I think it's Friday. But nonetheless, Daniel's got the Bruins. Connor, I know you don't know much about hockey, but who you got? I mean, this is a simple pick. I'm a Florida man. We have the Florida Panthers. I don't ca- This is an upset of the century. Mm. Up, You know, President's Cup, greatest te- regular season team ever. Doesn't matter. Panthers by four goals. Just breaking news from the world of soccer. Marcus Rashford has been announced as a substitute for the game today versus Sevilla. Huge. Huge. Are we back? We might be back. Um, I'm going to go the Bruins. They're just so dominant. I mean, they, I think it would be really funny if the Panthers won this series. I mean, that's what I'm kind of hoping for, but I think the Bruins are going to get this one, I think, five or six. Even though everyone thought this was going to be a sweep, but the Panthers won the other day, so I'm going to go with the Bruins. And finally, it is the Stars at the Wild. This game, I th- this series, I think, is 1-1 now, but nonetheless, Daniel's got the Wild. Connor, who you got? I refuse to pick a team from Dallas, so the Wild. You're going with the Wild. I'm going to go with the Stars. They've been really dominant this year. and But the Wild are still pretty good, but I'm going to go with the Stars. They won their division for a reason, the Stars. And that... It's going to do it, Connor. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, very, very big shoes to fill from uh, yes. from Daniel. He will hopefully, hopefully be back to fill them himself next Ho- week. But hopefully uh, Daniel did well on his test. Yeah, hope hopefully he, did well, he did well on his test, and uh, this was this was a good time. Thank oh. you for uh, letting me on. Of course, we got a game to prepare for now. United yes. versus Sevilla in, I believe, an hour from now. Yep, yep, big one. And I have my lab, which is going to be bad. But that is going to do it for our show today on the Eagles Nest. If you missed any of today's show, you can check it out on your favorite podcast platform later on today after the show if you do feel so inclined. But until next week, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, for Connor Greenberg, Daniel Locke, I'm Grace Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles Nest on the Weagle 91.1 FM. Have a great sports weekend, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.